0: Uh, welcome. My name is Ed. I'm I'm uh, one of the pastors here. If you're visiting with us, and we don't believe you're here by accident. None of this, by the way, is an accident. Uh, we have believed from the founding of Gateway, and you heard last Sunday we we celebrated our 25th anniversary. Uh, from the founding of Gateway, we have believed that our mission is: we exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. And it is vital, I think, for us to know what we mean by authentic, Jesus-centered community. So we're going to spend four weeks together, the next four weeks, defining that and talking about that. And I hope it will inspire us and challenge us. But I want to give you a heads up. I'll do this this week and next week. I want to tell you straight up, what I'm going to try to do with these next four Sundays and what I've been praying that the Holy Spirit will do among us. Number one, uh, we need gateway to get to know gateway. Hence gimmicks like the name tags. So we're going to, we're going to be obnoxious about us getting to know one another because we can't, that, 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 that is an obvious first step to being authentic Christian community. And then I'm going to invite you in, I hope. I'm gonna try really hard to invite you to take a step in. If you have not been effectively invited to use your stuff, to be who you are, then then shame on us and we're gonna try. If you've been invited and you don't step in, then that's on you. Uh, And finally, I I really want to remind you, for most of you, for some of you, and for others of you, I wanna refashion what you think of when you think of church. I want us to reimagine that over the next four weeks and I hope you'll have a different picture by the time we finish this. So let's begin with the end in mind. Here is the definition that we're going to be unpacking together for the next four weeks. An authentic Jesus-centered community is a group of people who live the life of Jesus with and for one another, sharing their lives and resources in a way that is loving interdependent and radically open to others, let's return to middle school language class and let's say this together. An authentic Jesus centered community is a group of people who live, we're going to say this together, did I say that? (laughs) Is a group of people who live the life of Jesus with and for one another, sharing their lives and resources in a way that is loving, interdependent, and radically open to others. And today, we're going to talk about kind of that first key phrase, uh, a group of people who live the life of Jesus. All right, what does it mean to live the life of Jesus? Living the life of Jesus, if we go to the Bible and ask them, it really means two things. The first thing the authors of the New Testament would say in answering that question would be that living the life of Jesus means... Literally, having the life of Jesus flow through us. Having his life present itself through us. In fact, this is also how we can live the life of Jesus. This is what enables us to live the life of Jesus. Two, two weeks ago, do you remember, uh, was it three weeks ago now, just the oppressive heat? And uh, I have a hill in my backyard that dries up pretty quickly. It just gets fierce sun. Plus, it, you know, it's a hill, so it, it drains rapidly. And my yard, I, I could look out at my yard, and by the minute, on those days when it was 98 degrees, I could watch my yard wilting. And so occasionally, I'd, I'd turn my sprinkler on the hill, and it was fascinating. A couple of those days, especially toward the end of that heat stretch, I could water the hill and literally watch the plants come to life as the, the if you'll allow the analogy, the life of the water— was almost immediately expressing itself through my plants on my hill. This is exactly the image that Jesus Himself used of His life expressing itself through us. I'm going to read this morning from John 15:1 through 8. Some of you know this passage. It is a beautiful image. Let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word. This is the first thing that it means to live the life of Jesus. John 15:1 through 8. Jesus said, "I'm the vine, the true vine." You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away, withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You may be seated. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. The imagery is, is uh, obvious. It's, it's hard to imagine a connection more intimate than that. Our very life comes from the vine. Our DNA comes from the vine. What our spiritual life looks like, how it expresses itself, quite literally, comes from Jesus. A branch from an apple tree will not ever and cannot produce peaches, but it will inevitably produce apples if it is nourished. You and I will increasingly produce the character of Jesus. We will increasingly react like Jesus reacted. We will increasingly listen and speak like Jesus if we nourish ourselves spiritually, if we are in vined, if you'll allow that it would be hard to imagine a more intimate connection. But it would also be hard to imagine a connection more vital. The the apple branch cannot produce apples if it's cut off from the vine. In fact, it can't even survive. Jesus said, it's just thrown away, burned in the fire. Without me, you can do nothing, he said. We see the same truth talked about over and over again in the Old Testament. For example, Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In other words, the psalmist's abilities come from God. God is what kept the psalmist going. God is the source of the psalmist's joy and his deliverance from trouble, he will tell us many other times in many other places. The psalmist understood that God's strength was literally flowing through him and sustaining him. God's strength was flowing through him. That's what was sustaining him. Living the life of Jesus means having his life Flow through us. In other words, being so intimately connected to him that his life flows through us like the life of a vine flows through its branches. Do you have that kind of connection with Jesus that would allow his life to flow through you like this? This is a part of what it means to be an authentic Christian community. Don't snooze on this. You will not even desire authentic Jesus-centered community if you do not have the life of Jesus flowing through you. Uh, If you were here last week for a 25th anniversary celebration, you saw a a video that we showed of an awesome small group experience uh, that a number of people, it's a number of years ago, and a number of people actually came to a relationship with Christ because of this small group experience. The couple that started it it was a couple named Hallie and Don. And Hallie said at one part, we did not show this part on the video, but Hallie said at one point, you know, she was was reminiscing. She said, you know, I remember one woman. I I didn't remember this woman, but uh, she said, I remember one woman. She was part of our group for several years. She just really enjoyed it. Uh, she never became a Christian. She, didn't, she wasn't a believer. She never became a Christian. I don't think she still is today. It's fascinating to me, Hallie said, she said to me at one point, I really like this. I, I, I like all, and I really like what you all are experiencing together. I, I just, I don't get Jesus. I would, I would like this without the Jesus. And it gave Hallie an opportunity to say, you don't get this without Jesus. This is Jesus. Not only will you not desire authentic Jesus-centered community, you can't sustain it without the life of Jesus flowing through you. I just want to give you an example of how that shows up. In John, I'm sorry, in James, a little book at the back of the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 16, we are encouraged, listen to this, to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another so that, James says, you may be healed so so that you may be set free from those, those addictions that you have, those hidden sins, so that you may be healed of literal sickness. You confess your sins and pray for one another, but you cannot sustain the kind of relationships that will allow for real confession and that will set you free from sin and sickness. You can't sustain that if you don't have the life of Jesus flowing through you. You won't want it. It just won't happen. So what does it mean to live the life of Jesus? We said it means two things. First of all, it means having his life flow through us. The second thing that living the life of Jesus means is to be like him, to do what he did, to live like he lived. If Jesus was kind, We would be kind if we would be like Jesus. If Jesus was purposeful, we would be purposeful if we would be like Jesus. If Jesus spent time alone with the Father and prayed, we would spend time alone with the Father and pray if we would be like Jesus. If Jesus spoke truth and confronted sin, we would as well, etc. Living the life of Jesus means living like he lived. And in a word, that means obedience, obedience. I'm going to back up one chapter and read John 14. We don't have to stand this time. Verses 23 and 24 of John 14. Jesus in a dialogue. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. I heard someone say one time, I think legitimately, listen, if you have an obedience problem, you don't really have an obedience problem. You have a love problem. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Look at that imagery at the end of verse 23. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is the language of intimacy. This is the language of relationship. Jesus, Jesus is being poetic about what it takes to be in a real dynamic and right relationship with God. And what it takes is obedience. If we want to live the life of Jesus, we must obey his teaching. How serious was Jesus about obedience? Well, Jesus' most extended teaching is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Some of you are familiar with this section of the Bible. It's often called the Sermon on the Mount. In this sermon, Jesus used this phrase, you have heard that it was said five times. And one more time, he said simply, it has been said. And then in every case, he contrasted it with, but I tell you, this is clearly a teacher who intended on being obeyed on some very specific topics. If you intend to be my disciple, there's a way of living that must be followed, he was saying. And in this John 14 passage, he couldn't be clearer. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Why was he so serious about us obeying him? This is important. Look, Jesus offered us a wonderful new kind of life. At one point, just kind of in summary, there's a lot of stuff we could say about the wonderful life that Jesus offered us. But at one point, he kind of gave this summary statement. He said, it's an abundant life. And the way the New Testament authors speak about life in Jesus is compelling, to say the least. But Jesus knew that living this life would take some serious retraining. He knew much more was involved than just believing some new ideas about God or being a good person. Jesus knew that a whole new kind of living, what philosopher Dallas Willard called a special type of person, Jesus knew that that would be required. He knew that we would have to obey him in order to be able to live the abundant life that he offered Think of, it as, an, as an example, think of a uh, professional athlete. Uh, think of your favorite sport, your favorite professional athlete, and the way that they're able to perform. Often, in, in high-pressure situations, their performance goes up. You have to be a certain kind of person to sustain that life. You have to live a certain kind of life. You have to have the talent and if we stretch our analogy a little bit, well, when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us that, that talent. But, but they also exercise tremendous discipline in what they eat and how they exercise, how every aspect of their life. You have to be a certain kind of person to maintain that lifestyle and reap the rewards of being a professional athlete. Well, Jesus knew that we would have to To be a certain type of person, we would have to learn his way to become the type of person who could live abundantly. To take advantage of everything that Jesus offers us, we have to live the kind of life he lived. That's why he insisted on obedience. It's really interesting to me that followers of Jesus, early Christians, Followers of Jesus were not originally called Christians. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. If you've read the book of Acts, you may have picked this up. We were originally called followers of the way. Well, I want you to look at these references. Put up up that next slide, if you would. Uh, And there are more. But this is just a couple of references. Uh, Look through that real quickly. Notice that they are called they belonged to the way, or they are followers of the way. That's what we were originally called. And I think, I think that name suggests several things, doesn't it? I think at least three powerful things are implied by the name followers of the way that are related to our topic. Number one, that suggests followers of the way. Think about that. That suggests a whole culture, doesn't it? Think of your culture discussions earlier. When I was young, there was a black and white version of uh, Superman that used to play on television each week. And every week, the television show Superman started out with this voiceover introduction. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. You can look it up on YouTube. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. So America learned some great lessons from Superman. We learn the value of defending those who are weaker. We learn how much people love a superhero, especially if he wears glasses and is disguised as a mild-mannered reporter. And we learn that there was this thing called the American way. Turns out every human society has a way. And we shouldn't be surprised to learn that Jesus has a way. And he intends for us to follow it. He intends for our primary cultural influence to not be American culture or not be the culture of your origin. He intends for our primary influence to be him. Following his way is a virtual synonym for living the life of Jesus, doing what he did, obeying what he taught. And if we live the life of Jesus, then the fruit. Of that will follow as well. Second thing that is suggested by this name, followers of the way, I think is life is a journey. It's a way. It's called the way of Jesus, not the decision of Jesus. This is not a one and done thing. A way suggests a process. If you're discouraged about where you are right now, welcome to the club. It's a process. This is why the New Testament authors so often talk about spiritual growth and they use analogies of growing. Our life with Jesus is a journey of growth and development. Third thing I think that's suggested by this cool name, Followers of the Way, also it suggests discipline, doesn't it? The way of Jesus. If you are American football fans, then this is your time of year. And if you're American football fans, you know that the The best professional football organization uh, in America is the New England Patriots. And the New England Patriots are coached by Bill Belichick, and they often, uh, sports analysis will often talk about the Patriot way. Now, people who are not fans of the Patriots hate the Patriot way, but it involves a way of approaching the public, a way of talking to the press a way of doing your job, a way of doing practice. There is a mantra that has now spread across the league. Do your job. Just do your job. You stay in your lane. The patriot way. Well, Jesus had a way. And it was a way of spiritual discipline. There, were, well, there was regular time spent alone with the Father, and we see that repeatedly in the New Testament. Jesus peeling away from everyone else. There was was giving. He talked about giving. There was prayer. He talked about prayer. He talked about loving others, even in the face of the harshest circumstances, loving others. Living the life of Jesus means obedience to his teaching, and that involves every aspect of our life, submitting itself to the way. It's a process that we get better and better at, and it can't be done without discipline. So if you'll bear with me, I want to show you a chart that just summarizes what we've said so far this morning for those of you who like things visual. Living the life of Jesus means living the way of Jesus. That's obedience to his command, following his example, and it means allowing his life to flow through me. That's he is my strength, power, and he's the source of my life. He's where I get my life. I hope it's obvious that Jesus did not come just to save you and me. Pause on that for a second. Jesus did not come to just save me. Jesus came to build a new culture. And at Gateway, uh, we call that culture authentic Christian community. That culture is fueled by the strength and the life and of Jesus flowing through its members. That culture is defined by obedience to Jesus' teaching. It begins with Jesus' people living the life of Jesus. That's where it begins. It doesn't begin with us being good friends. It begins with you and I living the life of Jesus I want to end this morning by offering some resources. I'll make this available to you this week on our website. But uh, these resources are aimed at building the kind of discipline in our lives that we just talked about. This is real quick. This is just a a footnote. But you can't live the life of Jesus without discipline. And I'm going to give you some some really rich resources. Uh, That discipline, it builds both the space where intimacy with Jesus can be maintained and it strengthens our obedience muscle. So it helps both sides of the chart, if you will. So uh, there's a there's a, a website. They are they are building a um, a podcast and then some some practices for you individually or for you as a group that are great that are aimed at what they they call nine disciplines. It's called PracticingTheWay.org. It's a very good resource, easy to listen to. You can listen to it on your way to work. Then I uh, I I. I've recommended for 40 years the awesome book. It was revolutionary, really. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. The next one is a very difficult read, but it's worth wading through Divine Conspiracy by that philosophy professor, Dallas Willard. Ordering Your Private World, for those of you who just need to get in gear, by Gordon MacDonald. And uh, we offer a community study where we dig in much deeper with all of this regularly here at Gateway. I'll offer another one in January. Sign up for it. All right. Um, Just... Suggested disciplines, as I said, Practicing the Way uh, offers nine disciplines. Celebration of discipline, they list 12 disciplines. There's no perfect list. In the community study, we list 13 disciplines. But I wanna give you six disciplines as we end today that are essential for living the life of Jesus. Again, this is just a footnote. I'm, I'm throwing a bunch of stuff at you here at the end of, of related to this idea of discipline. We can't, we can't do this life without discipline. So uh, I'm gonna give you six disciplines, spiritual disciplines, without which you cannot live the life of Jesus. We're not going to spend time on these, just going to go through them. I'll also make these available to you. Keeping Sabbath, connecting to community, reading the Scriptures, practicing prayer, exercising generosity, and habituating fasting. When you came in this morning, you got a note card. I want you to spend a couple of minutes with your note card right now. Oh, don't worry, I'll give you some specific instructions. And if you're at home, you can do this. Grab a piece of paper. I want you to do this. Uh, I want you to answer two questions on your note card, and you just reflect in your own space. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I want you to reflect on these two things. Which discipline is, is, needs the most work in your life? And we'll flash back to those discipline lists in just a minute. We'll go back and forth between these two slides. The second question is, just you, just you personally, this is for you, which is harder for you, the obedience quotient or maintaining the intimacy with Jesus so that his life can flow through you? Which of those is harder for you? So which discipline needs the most work in your life and which of the two is harder for you? You reflect on that with your note card. And if you're at home, I hope you've grabbed a piece of paper and a pencil. We're just going to take a couple of minutes. You reflect on this. okay wrap up make this your last sentence or your last moment of reflection and I encourage you, by the way, to do this reflection exercise. It's good for us. But also, I read a fascinating article this week. I don't know if you've seen this. There's been a lot of social science research that's been done in the last few years that's suggesting there is, uh, there is memory benefit, there is a reinforcement benefit to writing things down with a paper and pencil that you don't get with a keyboard. Isn't that interesting? And they are discovering uh, that America's obsession with productivity, so we've created 10,000 apps that help us get things done, it, it actually might be more fruitful if we made an old-school to-do list and check it off. <laughs> uh, this is the beginning of your to-do list, what you've just written down. All right, Jesus had a way, and he was very intent on you being invited into that way. I'm going to get more intentional about inviting you in over the next three weeks. Today is essentially an introduction, but a critically important one. Important for us to remember Jesus did not come just to save you and me, Jesus came to create a culture and invite us into a way. And invite us in to that way. Consider yourself invited.